Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, June 12th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show... Let the world know, as well as your citizens across Mississippi, that it's a new day in Mississippi. It is a time of change. Faith leaders send a unified message to state officials to change the flag. Then fraudsters are stealing identities to scam for unemployment benefits. We examine the red flags and what victims should do if they're targeted. Plus, how Mississippi school administrators are planning for a fall semester that could require lots of changes. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi interfaith leaders are speaking out, calling on lawmakers to remove the state flag, which prominently features Confederate symbolism. Faith-based leaders gathered outside the Cathedral of St. Peter in Jackson yesterday, saying the current flag promotes an image of hate, racism, and slavery, all of which have no place in the state today. Bishop Ronnie Crudup is the senior pastor of New Horizons Church International in Jackson and a bishop with the Fellowship of International Churches. He tells our Desiree Fraser, the current flag sends the message to the rest of the nation that Mississippi refuses to change. My father's 88 years old. Thankfully, he's still here today. And he tells the story often that when he and other GIs had come back to state, they were in their dress uniforms. And a white gentleman walked up to them and said, you know, and called them the N-word and said, ain't nothing changed since you left. So in other words, I don't care how hopeful you are that, you know, you've gone out, you've fought for your country, you know, the world is changing. But here, we're not changing. Uh, the fact that we're the last state flying that emblem tells us, and, you know, we've been smearing that in the face of our citizens and the world, that we're not changing. It's time for change. Uh, and I think Mississippians, well, good-thinking Mississippians, know it's time for change and I've never been as encouraged I am now about the fact of change. What's encouraging you? What is encouraging me is when I saw the number of of, of white folks who came out to protest okay in the marches uh, the calls that I am getting 
you know, from people, from white folks who want to know, what can I do? You know, how can we help? Um, uh, that is so, so encouraging. Because I think the Mississippians know this, this is the time. This is the moment to get this change. What about the Mississippians who are calling their legislators saying, do not change the flag, or we won't put you back in office? You know, uh, uh, there are always people who have a different, who, who want to be exclusive. This is about inclusion. This is not the Mississippi of 2001 when that referendum was done. It's a new day here. Okay, And so, yes, you're always going to have people from the past who want to hold on to the past, but uh, that's what leadership is in place for, to make those kind of tough decisions. The governor has said that it should be left up to a referendum, a vote of the people, as it was in 2001. He said, yeah, there may be uh, uh, sentiment to change the flag, but it's not up to the legislators to make that deal in a back room. Um. You know, uh, uh, that's escaping your responsibility and pushing off on somebody else. When you know the thing that will powerfully impact all of your citizens, you do it. That's what you were elected for. The symbol of the flag, what does it mean to you? Um, uh, The flag represents oppression. Uh, it, It represents backward thinking. It represents a day that has long been gone and should have been left in the past. Okolo Rashid is the president and co-founder of the International Museum of Muslim Cultures in Jackson. She says the death of George Floyd has served as a cultural and spiritual wake-up call. To see a human being, right, life being snuffed out like that, I think that that was God's way of shocking the sensibilities of us as human beings because we had lost the sense of what it means to be human. And I see now in, in Mississippi, I feel that I, I see a many, many changes where very conservative Mississippians are on board with the justice as it relates to George Floyd, uh, George, uh, Floyd but it's not about just uh, George Floyd. Is there really uh, a difference between conservatism and justice? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. But unfortunately, some people think that to be conservative is to hold a certain view, right? And to be liberal or progressive is to hold a certain view. But my position, and that's what I'm trying to share, is that I think we're in a moment. We're in a moment right now that I don't think either one of those matters as much. I think if we would take and seize the moment, we will see that human beings are really ready to move forward and ready for a change. Rachel Glazer is with Jackson's Jewish community. She says she empathizes with the black community who sees the flag as a symbol of oppression. Um, I think it's really important that uh, voices uh, across the spectrum of faith are represented. I know Mississippi has a proud Christian base, but there are those of us here who aren't Christian who still believe very strongly that symbols like this one that represent bigotry and hate should not stand to represent all of us. Um, And regardless of faith, I I think everybody here today agreed that um, the emotional and physical safety of our citizens in Mississippi comes first, and that 
that flag needs to come down in order for us to ensure that. Are you from Mississippi? I'm not from Mississippi originally. I'm from Georgia, but I've lived in Jackson for the past four years. What has this flag meant for the Jewish community? Thank you for that question. Um, we and the Jewish community are no strangers to symbols of hate. Um, you know, I grew up working at classroom desks that has swastikas carved into them and knowing that for the person who carved that, maybe it's, you know, just a funny joke or something that they saw on TV and thought would be interesting to play around with. But to me, there's a deep history of um, my own people's subjugation and dehumanization. And when I see the Mississippi state flag, similarly for Jewish people, but much more so for black people, I know that that symbol um, cuts really deep and digs into scars and wounds that are already there. And Whatever we can do to uh, begin that healing process, we need to do. Governor Tate Reeves has sidestepped questions about his personal views of the flag and its representation of Mississippi, instead invoking a 2001 ballot referendum. He says the people of Mississippi should decide if the flag should be changed. I see a flag that the vast majority of Mississippians voted in 2001 to maintain as Mississippi state flag. I made a commitment to the voters in 2019 that if the flag is going to be changed, it's not going to be changed by a bunch of politicians in Jackson. It needs to be changed by the people of our state. Earlier this week, a bipartisan group of House members privately discussed a measure to change the flag. Yesterday, a group of Democratic senators filed a similar resolution. Coming up, fraudsters are, are, are stealing identities to scam for unemployment benefits. We examine the red flags and what victims should do if they're targeted. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hey, this is Malcolm White. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Every week we talk with visual artists, musicians, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcast app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The coronavirus pandemic has shaken the nation's economy with unemployment numbers unseen since the Great Depression. That includes Mississippi, where the toll of the current recession has Mississippians filing for unemployment benefits in record numbers. But lately, some employed Mississippians are unknowingly receiving deposits in their bank accounts or debit cards in their mailboxes. They're the targets of fraudsters looking to take advantage of the billions of relief dollars pumped into unemployment security or employment security offices across the nation. Shad White is the state auditor of Mississippi. He tells our Michael Guidry how those scamming rings operate and what Mississippians need to know if they're targeted. Three weeks ago or so, we started seeing some headlines from around the country where fraudsters were uh, scheming and taking advantage of unemployment benefits payments that they did not earn in other states. A fraudster out there somehow gets access to a person's personal information. Maybe they get access to it. Uh, due to the Equifax breach a few years ago. Maybe they buy that personal information off the dark web. They take that personal information, and then they will apply for unemployment benefits on that person's behalf. Sometimes the person, the actual victim, has no idea that somebody's applying for unemployment benefits on their behalf. So the fraudster might set up a bank account in their name, 
might get money forwarded, the unemployment benefits forwarded to that account, and the victim may have no idea. An even worse situation happens sometimes when the fraudster gets money sent to the actual victim. So the victim will look in the mail one day and they will see a a debit card show up in the mail that has money on it, unemployment benefits on it, and then the fraudster contacts the victim and threatens them or tries to trick them into sending them, the fraudster, that money, uh, effectively turning the victim into a mule. What happens with those calls? How how are fraudsters uh, manipulating the people that receive those cards? How how are they coercing them into getting that money? It it can take a variety of different forms, uh, ranging from just a basic trick, so maybe the fraudster has your information, you know, they've applied for unemployment benefits on your behalf, and then they call you. So they've got your phone number, and they call you, and they say, look, uh, I'm calling you from the state government. We've accidentally sent you some money. You need to uh, take that money off of the debit card and forward it to me via Venmo. You know, they may do something as simple as that. Or alternatively, they may do something really malicious, which is to threaten the person. So they may call the victim, and they say, look, you got some money. It doesn't belong to you. Uh, you need to send it back, and, and you need to know that if you don't send it back, you know we're going to threaten you with prosecution, and we know where your kids live and that sort of thing. So it, it can it can range on that spectrum of of trickery all the way to maliciousness, uh, and of course sometimes, as we noted, the victim doesn't even know. So you know it's possible that the the fraudster has set up a bank account uh, in a person's name, and the victim has no idea other than maybe a letter that comes to them and says. Uh, thank you for applying for unemployment benefits. They've now been forwarded to your bank account via direct deposit. So any of those kinds of things can happen. What should people do if they receive either a card or a letter? The first thing you should do is immediately contact the HR department at your place of employment. You need to tell them, hey, I'm not unemployed and somebody's applying for unemployment benefits on my behalf. The second thing is that you personally need to tell the Mississippi Department of Employment Security, that this is happening to you. And the way to do that is to send an email to safe at mdes.ms.gov, safe at mdes.ms.gov. And you send that email to that inbox, and that lets them know that, that you think you've been a victim, and they're the entity that is responsible for shutting off the payments, the unemployment benefits payments. Third is that people need to realize this is a form of identity theft. Somebody out there has your personal information. That's how they applied for these benefits on your behalf. So you you probably need to go ahead and contact at least one of the three main credit rating bureaus, and those are Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. What they may do at that point, depending on who you call, they may ask you for a case number. What they're asking you for is a case number that has been established by law enforcement Uh, to open a file on your claim of identity theft. If they ask you for a case number, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to go to your local law enforcement and you're going to have to tell them, I've had my identity stolen and I need you to open a file on this and give me a case number. So that means your local sheriff's office or your local police department. You said that your office is assisting with the investigations. Who's leading the investigation into this? Because a lot of the fraud, a lot of the fraudsters are national and international, the Secret Service and the Department of Labor have really taken a leading role around the country. In the state of Washington, for instance, the Secret Service has taken a big role, and that's, that's the, same, uh, the, the same is true down here in Mississippi. So 
what we have done is we've been in, in contact with them and we have assigned agents in my office to help them run their investigations. And we can help track mules and we can help identify uh, potentially revealing information here in Mississippi. How can people, if they haven't become a victim yet, what are some of the safeguards they can do to at least try to prevent that from happening? Yeah, the first thing is, and there's only so much you can do about this, the first thing is limit the amount of personal information you put out into the world. Uh, Two, I would say this, people need to get into the habit of regularly looking at their bank account, especially if they're able to do that online. I I use online banking. I, I recommend that. People need to look pretty regularly at their bank account online and every few weeks or so check and see if there are strange transactions. And that includes money going into and money going out of your account. So those are the two things that that we recommend. Unfortunately, that's not foolproof, of course. A lot of times individual employers get hacked. So for big companies that have a lot of information about their employers, about their employees, those companies can get hacked. And if they do, All of that information is out there to the person who hacked it. So we have to be vigilant. We have to try to protect our information, but we also have to know that sometimes there's only so much we can do, and we just need to be aware of how to respond if our identity gets stolen. Chad White, State Auditor of Mississippi. Thank you as always, sir. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. Coming up, how Mississippi school administrators are planning for a fall semester that could require lots of changes. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, host of Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking, a show that explores issues that relate to you and your family, from mental health obstacles and family interactions to handling life disruptions. Whatever it is, we're here to help. Find out what we're all about and subscribe to the podcast by using any podcast app or by downloading our MPB Public Media app. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. The Mississippi Department of Education is providing reopening options for school districts to to consider as eyes turn toward the next school year. Districts will have the choice between a traditional schedule, a virtual schedule, or a hybrid schedule, all options taking into account health and safety, programming, operations, and community support needs. Dr. Ronnie McGeehee is the Executive Director of the Mississippi Association of School Administrators. He joins us to discuss the myriad of factors district leaders will face as they prepare for a new school year during a pandemic. From uh, planning and preparing, we have to look at at, at the social-emotional side of our students and our staff. This fall uh, will be uh, an interesting time simply because of the learning loss that potentially we had since we've been out of school for so long. And usually at this time, uh, districts are preparing for their employees come back, uh, cleaning, preparing schedules, uh, bus routes. Uh, but see, all of those are going to change with these guidelines. Over the months of March, April, and May, some schools already had iPads or, or Chromebooks for their students. So virtual learning was a little bit more available to those students. But then you have other students that didn't have that, that didn't have the internet. Is that all in place now so that if virtual teaching had to return, everyone in the state would be able to do so? Everyone, no ma'am. Uh, in Mississippi, we're the 50th in, uh, in, in 
the penetration of broadband access. Uh, our public service commissioners have been looking at that for the last couple of years. Uh, I would tell you that we will not have a 100% connectivity you know, by the fall. Uh, however, uh, people are adapting to that. Uh, it's also highlighted the, the economic disparities uh, between districts and individuals and also the socioeconomic struggles in some places. And it's not just our students. Uh, you know, it's also teachers. Uh, one of our superintendents uh, in Neshoba County, uh, Dr. Lundy Brantley, will be uh, testifying virtually uh, with the Commerce Committee uh, in next week, uh, June, June 18th, uh, talking about his story that 40% of his employees do not have connectivity. So the connectivity piece uh, of, of the distance learning is a huge challenge. If everyone is returning to the schoolroom, if it's considered safe enough to return in early August, what are the accommodations that will be required if social distancing is still a concern and classrooms are usually pretty packed? How can schools accommodate that without adding extra classes and needing extra teachers in a time when your budget is so tight? Um, huge challenge. It is. Uh, first of all, you got to prepare and think about how are you going, how are they coming to school? Uh, are they are they bus riders? Or are they brought in by their parents? Are they ride with each other? And, and what does that gathering look like before if you're going to try to do and adhere to the social distancing situation? Inside the classroom uh, is a challenge. Um, a number of our buildings. Uh, under our process standards and Department of Education for a long, long time, our minimum square foot for our classroom was 600 square feet. And if you do the math and say, okay, each person has you know six by six square, and you're in the middle of it, you can see that you're not going to put very many people in 600 square foot room. People transportation is a huge issue when you look at every other seat uh, or some kind of um, barrier and that they're describing between uh, the buses. So that one's going to be a, a huge hill to, to climb. And as you look at uh, the gatherings and, and the transfer, you know, in the halls, uh, I think K through 5 can adjust and schedule and plan appropriately. I think we can have some success uh, with that. Now, 6 through 12, uh, that could be another issue. You've just mentioned a few of those things to me, and there are many, many others that have to be considered. Do you know if administrators are putting their heads together and working as groups to try and solve these problems, even though districts are very different? Yes, we have 140 districts in our state, uh, and, and it, anything from, I think, the smallest is a less than 1,000, and the largest is DeSoto County, which is probably right around 40,000. At the same time, uh, each one of them have to look at this from their point of view and their community's point of view. Uh, are they speaking with each other? Oh, yes. So I'm very proud of our administrators. Our principals uh, have, have done this all summer, especially on the distance learning uh, piece, uh, providing the packets, and then also superintendents have gotten together to say, right, look, I have a problem. You know, okay, well, here's what I'm doing about that problem. So that's a, that's a good piece of this. 
This is off topic, but I do want to ask you about this. The largest teachers association in the state is endorsing changing the state flag. The state flag, of course, flies at all public schools. Has the Association of School Administrators taken a position on that? Um, I, I cannot speak for the national uh, group at all. Uh, I can tell you personally that being a 41-year educator, uh, it's time for us to move into the 21st century. And you know, part of that will be is uh, changing the flag. It looks like we have a real opportunity to do that. And I do want to ask you finally, for our listeners, for all the parents of students in the state, what should they be preparing for as administrators and teachers get ready to go back to school? They would prepare for change uh, and also listen uh, from our uh, educational leaders. Uh, one of the biggest things that we discuss with our superintendents and our association is, is communication, communication, communication. Uh, I, in every challenge, uh, Karen, I think there's opportunities, and there is an opportunity for us in Mississippi to redo what we've been doing. Uh, I would tell you that we could look at class size. We could look at delivery. We could look at accountability. We've been underneath the accountability plan for 20 years now. And uh, you know, it's, it's time to shift to see and provide education for our young people for their future, not our past. Dr. Ronnie McGee, he is the former superintendent of Madison County Schools and the executive director of the Mississippi Association of School Administrators. Dr. McGee, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, too. Have a great day. You, too. State law requires schools to provide 180 days of instruction each school year. Local school districts are responsible for designing school schedules that best meet the needs of their communities. School calendars, including the first and last day of school and school holidays, are set at the district level. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.